New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Imagine what our world would be like if more and more people began to awaken. Our guest today says that we all have the potential to recognize what he calls awake awareness, which brings true peace of mind and an open heart. He feels that this can be intentionally developed, and perhaps evolution requires it. Locke Kelly takes mindfulness to the next level, which he calls open-hearted awareness. How will this shift in identity help us to live in greater freedom, loving-kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity? How might we connect with a spontaneous, alive intelligence that is a hallmark of an awakened life? How does open-hearted awareness help us to experience our interconnectedness to all life? And how does it lead us naturally to ethical lives? Today we'll be exploring these questions and much more with our guest, Locke Kelly. Locke Kelly is founder of the nonprofit Open-Hearted Awareness Institute. He's an educator, licensed psychotherapist, and recognized leader in the field of meditation who was asked to teach Sutra Mahamudra by Mingar Rinpoche and to teach non-dual realization by Ajashanti. He collaborates with neuroscientists in the study of meditation to discover ways to improve compassion and well-being. He's an emerging voice in modernizing meditation, social engagement, and is the author of Shift into Freedom, the Science and Practices of Open-Hearted Awareness, as well as a CD set of guided meditations produced by Sounds True. Join us for the next hour as we explore open-hearted awareness with our guest, Locke Kelly. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Locke, welcome. Thank you, Justine. Great to be here with you. It's great to have you. So um, let's start off with, can you describe what our normal state of consciousness is, what, the one that most of us live in in our daily world? Yes. I mean, in some ways, we take it for granted, our normal state of consciousness, because it's so normal. So there's a certain pattern of thinking, a kind of a looping thought that thinks about thought that creates when it self-references a sense of identity that feels very real. It's a kind of commentator. We've experienced it as a judge or 
when we say to ourselves, I can't believe you just said that. It's that I that can't believe that you, meaning me, just said that. That secondary uh, sense of thought-based knowing creates an identity that feels like there's a little entity in our heads, behind our eyes, looking out, and our bodies are really experienced almost as if they're a vehicle that that little thought-based thinker is driving. And, and it's, it, it's kind of a, a problem-solver consciousness, isn't it? it, it in fact, exactly. it loves to, it, to solve problems. It, it's very stimulated by that. Yes. In fact, it, it always thinks there's a problem. So that little entity, that, because it's a thought pattern, yet it feels like it's real or solid or me, uh, it feels like it has to uh, get something to satisfy just like our bodies would. So because it, it takes itself to be almost like a physical entity, it's looking for food, it's looking for nourishment, and it feels like it could be threatened to physically die, but it actually is just a thought pattern that can relax and therefore, it's perpetually dissatisfied and is always trying to solve that problem of dissatisfaction. So it's looking here, looking there. And even when there's a moment or a gap of relaxation, this part of us thinks, oh, that's a problem. Because it feels like even that, there could be something sneaking up on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know that you've used the metaphor of... Um, <laughs> Of computers and operating uh-huh. systems. So you would call this the, the thought-based operating system. That's right. Is, so yes. do you want to say something more about yeah. that? Yeah. So there's, there's no problem with thoughts or thinking in themselves. They're very important, obviously, to our life. But it's, it's kind of, uh, you might say, when we feel, I think, therefore I am, we create the sense that thinking is the basis uh, of who we are, and we operate from that conceptual, uh, dualistic um, separation sense of self. And instead, if we discover an awareness-based way of knowing, then it's, I am, therefore, I could think, or maybe I don't have to think. <laughs> Either <laughs> I way, I can live it's in fine. that gap, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so that's that awareness-based yes. uh Thinking, which or or knowing, yes, would say knowing. knowing that is um, this other operating system. That's right. Uh, however, I, I I need to ask. It's the metaphor kind of stops. In, correct me if I'm okay. wrong about this, but the metaphor stops because it's not a matter of installing uh-huh, a new right. metaphor, uh, new right. operating system. No. This operating <clears throat> system. Is has always been present exactly. in our what is called our ground of being. That's right. So uh, say something about that. Yes, I think the the reason I say operating system is I want to emphasize that this awareness based way of living or operating uh, is possible. That it's not a matter of just having these momentary meditation states of freedom and peace of mind. That you can actually live from. Uh, non-conceptual, awareness-based, uh, open-hearted sense of being, rather than feeling like, oh, my only 
option is to live from an ego because I'll be safer that way and I have to think about thinking and, and be worried. So the sense of, and it's integral to what this whole method of, uh, of, of discovering how to shift into this freedom is that the awareness that we're seeking, the freedom that we're seeking is already here. It's already installed. It's already <laughs> part of the nature of our human condition. It may even be prior to our human condition in consciousness itself. That's a possibility, but at least we know that within our consciousness, as we know it, um, it there's an, a type of awareness available that's already effortlessly able to focus and that already feels interconnected, that feels um, a sense of well-being and uh, kind of a non-fear, non-shame, non-worry, and yet is alert and clear and has access to all of our memories and functioning abilities, but it's a completely different way of feeling about ourselves and therefore a way of relating to others in the world. Let's talk, let's go a little bit into the this the the three you, you talk in 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 your book and you describe three I don't know if you'd call them steps, but three ways of there's maybe I will say steps. The the first one that Many uh, pr- millions of people have experience, and this is that that step of waking up. Yes, and and we use deliberate meditation, mindfulness, deliberate yeah. mindfulness for this. Mm-hmm. So, so talk about this stage yes. of our unfoldment. Yes. So I talk about waking up as the first stage, and then waking in, and then waking out. So waking up, we could say. There's two important parts. There's first one is waking up from this normal, small, separate sense of self. So by waking up, in some ways, mindfulness meditation, we, by seeing and stepping back to a mindful witness, we see that we are not our thoughts, that our thoughts are coming and going. So we discover who we're not. So we wake up from that sense of, oh, I'm the thoughts and feelings and sensations, and I'm identified with them naturally. The ability to wake up or step back or step out or uh, disidentify. Or detach. Or detach. Any of the words you know that anyone likes to feel, but it's an actual feeling um, that often meditation or the first stages of meditation helps you feel. However, you can get caught in a gap of not being an ego, but also they're, they're finding out in studies now, if you just stop there, you can actually get flooded by the unconscious. So the second part of waking up is to wake up to the awake awareness as the new way of knowing and the new foundation or the new ground of being. So it seems like our ego or our being a thinker is the ground of our identity. We wake up from that And then my system and method, we immediately wake up to the awake awareness as the new way of knowing. So there's a new foundation or ground uh, that that is more vast and more 
uh, has intelli- an intelligence and an inclusion and a way of knowing that gives you the ability to be with or welcome all your emotions, thoughts, and feelings without feeling overwhelmed. So in in the waking up, I know in this kind of, if we, you caution us, if we stop there mm-hmm. in that kind of meditation where yeah. we're, where we're getting rid of our stress and mm-hmm. and we're we're watch we're witnessing our thoughts and not attached to them, and even experiencing in the subtle body the the, the bliss state. Yeah. But if that's where we stop, right. this is this is where your teachings really mm-hmm. take us. To another level, which you just described, that awake yes. awareness, but but the next level, which is is very interesting, is you know, the wake in. Yes, and this is where it becomes more. The word you use and other teachers might use is embodied. Yes, it's not that we're out of our body. It's no. not an out of body experience. No. So would yes. you comment on that? So, I mean, in some ways. If you just go from your ego to your body, which some people call embodied, which means you feel more physically fit or physically connected like yoga, that's that's fine. That's that's fine. And we're gonna come we're gonna stop right there for a moment and we're gonna come back to why it's fine, but what we might do beyond that. I'm here with Locke Kelly. He's the author of Shift into Freedom, the science and practice of open-hearted awareness. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, lockkelly.org. Locke, he spells it L-O-C-H-K-E-L-L-Y, lockkelly.org. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Locke Kelly. He's the author of Shift into Freedom, the Science and Practice of Open-Hearted Awareness. There is also um, a CD set of meditations that, that he has provided through Sounds True. So, Locke, we're, we're talking about the waking in, the, yes. the, the embodied mm-hmm. kind of awareness. And you were just about to tell us some yes. sort of caution with that. Yes. Some people do it. Yeah, I mean, often if we remain in our current identity, we can try to be embodied, and yet we're still ego-centered by just feeling more connected to our body, which, of course, is positive. It's not, it's not a negative 
do yoga, do exercise, uh, you feel more connected to your body, but you still feel like a little mini-me that feels your body as kind of more muscular or more uh, fit. But what I'm talking about is embodied is uh, it follows waking up. So you wake up out of uh, the ego identity or the small sense of self or the thinker and discover that the awake awareness is your ground of being. And you actually can be aware from this kind of big sky mind or this field or ocean of awareness. And once you feel that the ocean of awareness is your new um, sense of identity or ground, that ocean is experienced also as appearing as the wave of your body, as your aliveness, your thoughts, feelings, and sensations, as if you're both spacious and pervasive. And that feeling of awareness, knowing your body directly from within, rather than looking down from your head, feels like there's a kind of effervescent aliveness. And when you walk, you kind of feel like a cat. You feel very limber. And there's a sense of uh, inhabiting your body for the first time from within rather than from the tower of your mind. I, I, I know that you, you do a meditation mm-hmm. where you have, have us uh, look at our hand, mm-hmm. and we can look at our hand, just physically look at our hand, and right. that's one way of seeing it. Yes. And then you have us kind of go inside mm-hmm. and do a, a looking from within. Yes. I, it was rather magical, I must say. It, 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 it really was a shift in consciousness. Yes, that you, you're, you're not looking at an object. That's right. It's you're feeling. feeling it from within. That's right. Your whole body is is your brain is part of your body, and your body is part of your brain. Your whole nervous system is connected to your brain. So it's really. Uh, feeling your entire alive intelligence, which is spread out through your body, and you can know directly from the place you're knowing. So you can know your hand from within, you can know your entire body from within, and then you can know also a sense of a larger, more spacious sense of identity that starts to feel interconnected on a certain subtle level with everyone and everything. And people, I think, have had that feeling while simultaneously feeling, you know, very much yourself and having a separate body. So it's sometimes called simultaneous mind when you're embodied because you have a sense of being very much here, but also being interconnected. You feel a sense of spaciousness or emptiness or vastness and also a sense of kind of um, soft, you know, open-hearted, loving quality uh, rather than mental uh, comparing and contrasting going on all the right. time. So that that really that interconnectedness is yes. really describing that that waking out. That's right. So there's waking up, waking in, yeah. and waking out, and that's yes. when we feel that that interconnectedness. That's We're not right. separate identities or separate right. from all the rest of life. That's right. Yeah, so there's kind of a shift if if you, in some ways, as you said earlier, this is actually already all happening, that that it's not something that's being created by 
moving through these steps or stages. You're not actually developing or creating them. You're kind of un what we're doing through doing these guided uh, pointers or glimpses is we're untying the knots of constriction so that we notice ourselves as vast, we noticed ourselves as embodied, then we notice our from our new uh, embodied intelligence, which is kind of a sense of what's often called heart-mind or what I call open-hearted awareness, there's a sense of seeing that the other person is not separate than you. It's almost like you see what's, you know, sometimes people say same, same. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a same there and, and there's, there's a same spirit, the same essence in everyone, a person or a rock or a tree, and simultaneously, distinction. Oh, yes, that's another individual as well. Mm-hmm. We're the same and we're unique. But something that's the same is seen that can't be seen when we're caught in our usual way of perceiving. You, you mentioned earlier uh, an analogy of the ocean and, mm-hmm. and then the the body likening to the waves. And as I was going through your book, I was thinking about um, that feeling of just falling back Mm -hmm. into the ocean and how the ocean then holds me up. And then I gently kind of rock on the the waves that... That sort of I'm talking about kind of gen, not a, not a, yeah. a gentle part of the ocean, you know. <laughs> so there's these gentle waves that that come and go, yeah. and and it's kind of that yeah. feeling. Does that? Th- yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, in fact, just last night uh, here at a teaching in Marin County, I, without giving that metaphor image, I just you know gave the instructions of these uh, guided meditations and asked people what they felt. And somebody with a big smile on their face said, I feel like a small boat just gently rocking on the ocean. And that feeling of some individuality, but some connection, some support, some being held feeling, whether you feel like a wave or you feel like your own body in an ocean or you feel like a little boat, there's a feeling of both being uh, an individual, but primarily feeling there's something bigger something you're interconnected with, some source, whatever you want to call that. People call it historically in different cultures through different spiritualities or religions. They call it many names, God, Spirit, the Tao, uh, Rigpa, you know, ordinary mind, uh, essence, source. Uh, Whatever that is, it's a real, direct, palpable uh, experience when you're not looking from the conceptual mind when you've when you're looking or knowing from this awareness-based uh, sense of open-hearted awareness. How did you come into this law? <laughs> well, to help us understand how how this all came to you and yes. how you, you're a little bit of your path. Yes. Well, I'm. Uh, I can start by saying that you know when I look back, as many people who may be listening, <laughs> you can kind of see that when I was a child, uh, I had little experiences. At the time, I didn't know they were glimpses. I didn't know what they were. But now I see that, you know, there were moments of direct seeing and, and, and kind of grace or some kind of uh, awakenings that happened. But 
when I was in college, I had uh, three uh, significant deaths that happened right in a row. So my father developed brain cancer. He had, was operated on, went it back to a kindergarten level, and then was actually bringing me his workbooks uh, when you know I had just become a man or an adult, and and now he was the child, and I was the, and then he had unfortunately he he worked his way back up, but then had an aneurysm, and passed away, and then my grandmother who lived with us for ten years. Uh, six months later, she died, and then two months later, my best friend from college uh, died in a car accident. And I just had this incredible kind of weight of grief and just, you know, part of it was depression, but it was mainly grief that it was just so much at once, and it was very hard to talk to college-age sophomores about this who hadn't been through it, and I went to a a psychotherapist who was a you know Freudian style, and he would just listen. So I kind of left after two <laughs> sessions. So, so I was you were talking into the void. <laughs> I was just huh? talking into the void and wasn't feeling much back. So uh, one night coming out of uh, the library, I just felt tremendous weight, like heaviness, and I guess I was talking to myself, or something was happening where there was a sense of a voice saying, "I don't think you can take this pain much longer." And what I did at that time, I realized, is I looked back to see who's talking, what is that? And somehow the turning of awareness around opened up that sense of seeing or experience back out of my head into this beautiful night sky. And there was some opening to this vast sense of source and, and love and beauty and I started laughing and crying and just felt like, oh, my God, it just lifted. It just melted away. And yet I felt I was able to actually feel the sadness and the love for these people in my life while I missed them, while all this was able to happen um, with this new dimension of consciousness. And because I was in college, I felt like, oh, I can do anything I want with my life. Why not explore what is this? Is this possible that this is essentially I could live from this dimension rather than it just being a kind of peak experience that I could really find a way to see who has lived this way? Uh, how do you get here? Can you intentionally shift or develop this? And that became my life interest and love. And then it, it took you to um, India, Tibet, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, Nepal, and, and other places, yeah. Sri, Lanka. Sri Lanka. So yeah. you, you, <laughs> you, you were able to really study with some very yes. uh, profound teachers yes. in that way. Yeah, and really and go to graduate school and study books and, and meet with people and talk, you know, with all people, both with Eastern teachers, Western, and just, you know, average people who had had spontaneous awakenings or shifts in their life that were reporting this and just curious the whole time and kind of a curious kind of Western scientific lay, like what really is happening? What's the principle here? How are these all the same? How are they all, you know, they're using different language, but they seem to be the same principles about what it is, how they shift. And I started to kind of do my own inner exploration about how to work with this and how to get there and how I lose it and how I find it again and came up with some. And, and then I would check it out with uh, other teachers. And then I would 
test it with myself, and then I eventually started testing it out with students and giving it and saying, try this, look at this. And then they would report back, oh, yeah, this works really well. Oh, I can do that. Yeah, oh, great. Or I adapt it or change it based on uh, what response I got. So in your background of uh, being a psychotherapist and then going to the, the East and looking at these esoteric teachings, so mm-hmm. to speak, but bringing them back into the Western context. Yeah. Let's talk more about that in just one moment. I'm here with Locke Kelly. He is the author of Shift into Freedom, The Science and Practice of Open-Hearted Awareness. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Locke Kelly, and he's the author of Shift into Freedom, the Science and Practice of Open-Hearted Awareness, and he spells his name L-O-C-H-K-E-L-L-Y. You want to look him up, and his website is LockKelly.org. You've mentioned, Locke, a couple of times you had a glimpse mm. And and that word glimpse, mm-hmm. I, and I I think of it as, um, for me that glimpse when we have it, mm-hmm. for me it's like something opens, and once you have that glimpse, it never quite closes up completely yes. again. Yes. So those are very um, important moments, although. What you talked about was that it you couldn't because sus- you were looking to sustain that glimpse. Yeah, so yeah. then that's going to take some other activities. Mm-hmm. So yes. can you talk about the glimpse yes. and what's needed beyond the glimpse? Yes. So um, one way I talk about this approach to teaching and sharing this is a direct recognition and a gradual unfolding. So the direct recognition is the glimpsing. And the word glimpse uh, is meant to be distinct from a meditation state or a state of mind. In other words, when you have any peak experience or a state, a meditation state, it's as if you, uh, the current identity, is experiencing joy or bliss or peace that's related to your identity currently. Whereas a glimpse you're actually shifting out of your current identity and discovering almost like a background foreground shift that you're letting go or surrendering or uh, discovering or uncovering and discovering that there is an underlying inherent dimension of identity and awareness that is now not only what you're aware of, but what you're aware from. And so a glimpse is a shift of point of view and a shift to your true nature or being aware from awareness. And now you actually can include all the other dimensions of thoughts, feelings, and sensations, but 
it's not about what's arising, it's about who is it arising to. And who it's arising to is now not this small thought-based mini-me, but is now this embodied awareness-based sense of loving presence. Right. Okay. And I I know that there was a a particular meditation that you use. It's called the memory door. Oh, yeah. And this this came, you, you describe a particular student who was at one of the workshops, and people were having some of this experience, mm-hmm. of this glimpse, right. and they were in this spacious awareness and um, whatever you might want to call it. Uh, and she wasn't having that same experience <laughs> as the other people. And it was like, I think we can all relate to that, yeah, that yeah. when we're, our neighbor is, you know, like going around the universe or whatever. So tell me, what is the memory door? What what advice did you give her? What <laughs> practice did you give her? Yeah. So what I what I gave her and the practice is uh, one where you actually bring yourself back intentionally. You you start where you are. So she was having a hard time shifting out of the current constellation of consciousness, her current identity. So I say, okay, well you know what? Let's use your own experience from where you are, from your memory, rather than, you know, denigrating it. Can you remember a time when you felt freedom, joy, love, and peace? And she immediately said yes. And I think anyone listening would say, oh, yeah, I do remember a time. And I said, well, you know, tell me about it, and then go in immediately right now, go back to that time. Remember it, visualize it. And she, she described going to a place where she climbed up a hill with her friends. It was a beautiful day, and they were all laughing and talking, and they reached the top of the mountain, and they all just stood there in silence, and they saw this vast sky in front of them, and her sense of the seeking or doing anything dropped, and she felt connected with her friends and nature. And I said, okay, well, now... Visualize that, feel the feeling, smell the smell, see the, see the, in your mind's eye, those feelings. Okay, now, stay here. Are you, are you feeling that now? Yes. Okay, so now draw, let the memory drop away and see whether the actual experience is not dependent on the place or the memory, whether it's actually here now. And she just lit up and said, that's what, that's who I am. That's where I am now. That's what's happening. I'm exactly, feel exactly the same. I'm perceiving in the same way. I feel this complete freedom. So that's like, as you were describing that, I really see it. There is a shift in consciousness yes, there. That's right. That you, you, re, you can feel her and we felt it with your description, yeah. felt that moment when that little mini-me just mm-hmm. kind of is disappears and, and it opens up to this yeah. other way of being. Yes. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, and this isn't a psychological no. process. No, no. Yeah, how does how does it differ from a psychological so process? So psychology, you know, psychological work is important. Emotional work, physical work, 
Um, all these are important aspects of us, but this is psychology or psychological dimension is like your mind or your feelings or your emotions or your physical dimensions. They're contents of your personality or your particular consciousness. This is the consciousness we have in common. This is prior to personality includes and is within our psychology that we can improve or not improve our psychology and this can still be there. So it's not dependent on psychology. It does relieve some of the psychological knots um, and it makes us less reliant on trying to improve only our psychology and only our personality as if that will bring us relief because we discover a kind of well-being that is beyond personal sense of uh, personality that then can actually accept exactly where we are in our life and our psychological development. And we'll probably continue to, you know, have positive psychological development, but it doesn't mean that if we're stuck or if we've had trauma or something that we can't experience this sense of okayness which is kind of, sometimes I call it non-shame, which means that you start to realize, oh, who I am is okay. There's nothing wrong with me as I really truly am, essentially. I'm innocent. And that relief of that underlying shame, which is kind of insidious background, um, makes people, even people I've worked with, with, you know, very traumatic childhoods, they, you know, they say, you know what? I can laugh at myself and I've put the burden down. I feel okay with who I am, even though I still have difficulties. So in, in this spacious awareness, hmm? where we actually are are functioning in our daily lives. Yes. We're we're having thoughts, we're having um having to solve problems, yep. uh, but so it's not that that leaves us. That's right. But there but we're doing it from a different consciousness. That's right. Yeah, so I mean even to go back a little like we were talking about the little traps or the little gaps that you can get caught in is sometimes in spiritual practice, if, if you call it spiritual or some ways of proceeding through meditation or non-dual practice or uh, ways of transcending your consciousness or waking up from it, you can get caught in a kind of dissociative or a sense that, oh, who I am is just pure awareness. I'm not my body. Everything is illusion. I... You know, it's all Leela, it's all play, it's all, uh, I don't have to worry about that, it's all relative. And you can get into a relative ethical place from doing that. You can also feel dissociated. I have people who call me on the phone who have done spiritual practice and say, well, my partner thinks I'm not relating to her anymore. And I said, well, it sounds like you aren't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's an important yes. part because there are some people who are studying non-dualism. Yes, I've run right. into them and and, and they say, well, nothing matters. Exactly. Nothing matters because it's all an illusion. Yes. And I'm going, wait, I just, yeah. it, I just, 
I get really tense about that. <laughs> I'm not in my my spacious mind in that moment because because we're it doesn't prevent this kind of awareness does not prevent no. us from being an activist, let's say, no. in in the world. In fact, it's it might be good to have and that interconnection. It's and even activity. more. It's even a more more of a support because you get less stressed about having to. To make make sure you're the one who's saving the world, or you're the one who is in charge of results, you can just show up and do the best you can and act compassionately. So this sense of stepping out or waking up into this pure awareness is very important. But once you're the pure awareness, uh, the unique thing about this kind of practice, which is, you know, is a type of um, Tibetan, you know, Dzogchen Mahamudra practice is that it then includes immediately your body and includes the relative world uh, as essential to its nature. So there's both ultimate reality and relative reality, and that's actually the definition of non-duality from more of a Buddhist point of view rather than a, uh, other forms of non-duality which actually describe non-duality as I think a new kind of duality where instead of just <laughs> just your body, now you're just awareness. And then so then I ask them, well, what's what's your body? Oh, that's illusion. Oh, well, isn't that a second thing? Then <laughs> you know. Yeah. So so it's this integrated um, two truths that ultimate reality and relative reality are two. And so you can, you know, the goal is really to live a full human life, to be fully human and yet free of egoic-centered suffering. I think that that was very clear in that that the the relative and the ultimate Mm -hmm. is, is they're they're not separated. This is a true sense of non-dualism then. Yeah. And uh, that's very clear. Mm. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Locke Kelly and he's the author of Shift into Freedom, The Science and Practice of Open-Hearted Awareness. And if you'd like to know more about his work, you can go to his website, lockkelly.org. And he spells his name L-O-C-H-K-E-L-L-Y, lockkelly.org, O-R-G. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Locke Kelly. He's the author of Shift into Freedom, The Science and Practice of Open-Hearted Awareness. 
Locke, you, you mentioned something earlier when you were first looking into this. You used the word curiosity. Mm-hmm. You said you, you were curious about what is this feeling and how can it be sustained. So let's talk about curiosity. Um, yeah. is, is this part of the whole practice? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, as I mentioned, there's this kind of waking up out of this dualistic mind, which tends to be um, organized around our thinking process, which is always comparing and contrasting and judging and analyzing and separating. So when we wake up out of that into this pure awareness, there's a natural acceptance. There's a natural seeing things as they are. And then as that awareness embodies and we discover this open-hearted awareness or this heart-mind, rather than uh, judging or discriminating, the first way of knowing is a way of seeing the sameness in everyone and then a curiosity about what's going on rather than an analysis or judgment that leads the way. So the curiosity isn't something that you're developing or trying to practice It's actually when you shift into and are living or seeing from this dimension of consciousness, open-hearted awareness, that's how it sees. That's how you see when you are, have shifted into this consciousness, which is kind of the unique uh, practice here, rather than developing intentionally loving kindness meditation by intentionally visualizing, saying phrases, repeating Uh, trying to manufacture the feeling, which is fine on a relative level. If you shift into this open-hearted awareness, you're naturally accepting, naturally people report immediately love, compassion, a sense of curiosity and courage even. So even courage, that strength, a sense of both vulnerability, sensitivity, and support that feels like there's a sense of uh, interest in life, that you're not, you're not a couch potato just because you're resting and being. Because you've gone from kind of the thinker and the doer into a sense of realizing that who you are is this non-shame-based being. And there's a certain uh, way of feeling the relief of resting as being. And being, human being, the being that, whose ground is this awareness doesn't have to think in order to be and doesn't have to do in order to be. You can just feel like you're being and you're enough. And yet, the curiosity, you have the potential to think if you want to think and you have the potential to do and still remain as being. So you can do from being. And so that's, that is what's called living uh, a life of awakening is that you remain as being, you're seeing from being, and now you're doing from being and you're thinking from being, which means um, that you feel like you're this kind of I am um, and you feel that you can see that I am in others as well. So everyone is kind of in this together. So what I'm getting from that description, 
this this place it it's a very interesting place mm-hmm. it's a dynamic place it's yeah. not dull no. it and and it, it kind of sparkles with exactly. life yes it's not so so you're participating in a way but not analyzing you're right. just like it's almost childlike yeah there's a childlike part and uh, which feels like some people describes like uh, they feel when they describe it first, oh, it's like I'm a child on the first day of summer vacation. Like there's some kind of like, let's go do something. You know, this is going to be fun. What are we going to do? We can do anything. We can go play. We can do that. We can do this. And so there's like an engagement, wanting to engage and a non-fear of what is going to happen, of kind of a courage and a fearlessness. And then there's also an adult discriminating wisdom as well as that childlike um, feeling. So there's simultaneously the ability to discriminate from wisdom rather than from uh, either or mind. Right, So right. that you can really see, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. Oh, right. I see that person is, you know, let me let, me let them in, in here first. Let me, oh, go ahead, you go ahead. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a discriminate. oh, okay, I don't need to rush. No, it's okay. So that's the interesting uh, paradox. Right. So it's a, like a not knowing space, but <laughs> but this is a place of not knowing. Yeah. Uh, but you're not in trouble. That's right. <laughs> you know. So sometimes because, I call it like the first stage is the is moving from that kind of conceptual based anxious knowing to not knowing, and then what this is is the not knowing that knows. <laughs> so yes. there's a not knowing. But it has a non-conceptual potential to know information at any moment. So it's very intelligent. <laughs> very intelligent. Very wise. Wise. It's what wisdom, it's the word wisdom is. Not information, not a lot of information, but just <laughs> the ability to respond rather than react. So it's good to, to have some information if we're going to make some decisions yeah. about things. But if we do it from this place, yes. we have... I guess a broader and deeper uh, uh, place of to to pull from, so That's to right. speak. Yes, uh, is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a it's like a wise mind or a a feeling of uh, you're tapped into kind of the source of intelligence that uh, has access. Sometimes I say that you, when you're living at home in your heart. Uh, you use Wi-Fi to the files in the office of your head. <laughs> so you don't have to go up and live in your office. <laughs> right. But you have everything yeah. everything yeah. that you've ever programmed in there yeah. is available at the click of a, a mouse if you need it. But if you don't need it, you have peace of mind and you have open-hearted sense of well-being and non-worry and strain and stress. You feel like you're in the right place. Everything's just as it is. You're just doing the next right thing. You do the best you can. Some things go well. Some things don't go well. You adapt. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking, Locke, of a, a, another student of yours that when she was in this place of um, uh, open-hearted awareness yes. uh, and, <clears throat> and she felt it, and then she got scared mm-hmm. because she thought, okay, to be here then um, what is this going to do for my creativity? She loved to do right. artwork, yes. and she felt like, 
oh my goodness, well, I might not be able to do my artwork anymore. Yes. And what did you have to say to her? Yes. So I, I just asked her, so what, what seems to happen is the, the first system, the thought-based way of knowing is, is not trusting of the new, of the new way of knowing first. So when you're looking from there, it's going to say, yes, but, yes, but. You know, this is cool, but I don't know if I'm going to lose the things I thought I gained or I'm going to be out of the center of control. So I just recommended that she uh, go here, uh, shift into open-hearted awareness, and then wait and see if she could create from there and see what happens. And interestingly, she began creating even more but had less worry about it in between periods. And then, you know, she, within, you know, six months, she had an installation of her work was that she had just created during that time in, in a public park near her wow. house. And she kind of said it was, it was kind of just flowed. Locke, can you give us a, a demonstration or, or help us to just uh, guide us to, to feel this moving from that head knowing to this open-hearted awareness? Sure, yes. Yes, and you know, much of what we've been talking about is kind of describing uh, what it'll be like when we shift. And this is kind of just to describe the territory or to kind of entice people to say, this will be good, you know, you'll like this. It's really very functional and, and great. But the main thing is how to, how do we do this? And that's a lot of what um, the audio uh, meditations are 31 and each of them in a series are like three to eight minutes, and they can shift you if you stay with it and help you navigate your own consciousness. So here's one way of experiencing uh, this non-conceptual awareness and this ability to, um, to drop. Uh, so simply, without even knowing how to do it, see what it's like if you can unhook awareness from thought and feel that awareness is the intelligence that knows your jaw directly from within, and the awareness knows your throat directly from within, and then feel that globe of awareness drop and know your upper body directly from within your body. So you don't need to look up to thought or look down from thought, that awareness has unhooked and knows directly from within without orienting by thought. So without going down to sleep, just see what is it like to be alert and aware and here. Feeling aliveness, space, and awareness of everything. Locke, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Justine. It's a wonderful pleasure. I've been here with Locke Kelly. He's the author of Shift into Freedom, The Science and Practice of Open-Hearted Awareness. And it also has a CD set of these kinds of guided meditations and guided uh, imagery to help us in this way, uh, done by Sounds True. So if you'd like to know more about his work, you can go to his website, lockkelly.org. And he spells his name L-O-C-H-K-E-L-L-Y, Locke Kelly, 
newdimensions.org, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3569. New Dimensions Radio is produced by New Dimensions Radio and Media in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Please visit us at newdimensions.org, where you can find nearly a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our archive and many other resources. You can also subscribe to our newdimensions.org and find over a thousand Our executive hours producer is Justine Willis Tom. Our post production editor is Lou Judson. By New Dimensions Radio Since 1973, USA, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge of our culture, the arts, science, health, for over psychology, decades, spirituality, and a host of other fields. We sincerely end. thank all of you we who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions, Dimensions, as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drazen. My name is Dan Drazen. On behalf of everyone behalf at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program, make this possible, program possible, I'm wishing you well. Wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.